Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald, leader, and Kentucky.com. It is Monday, August 22nd, 2022, and we're going to talk a little UK football on this podcast. We're less than two weeks away from the opener against Miami of Ohio on September 3rd. It's a 7 o'clock kickoff at Kroger Field. And to talk about UK football from what we have seen and heard, mainly heard so far over the UK football camp during fall practice, I talk with the UK football beat writer, our new UK football beat writer, John Hale of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. He's new as far as UK football beat writer for the Herald Leader, but of course, John is not new to listeners or readers. He covered UK football and basketball for the Courier Journal before we were able to coax him over here to the Herald Leader. And he's also been on the podcast, mainly talking about UK basketball. So he's a friend of the pod as well. Like I said, I can't be happier to have John with the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. He's already doing a great job and he's going to do a fantastic job during the season. Uh, In my talk with John, we talked about a variety of topics. We basically covered all offense and defense, right from quarterback Will Levis to Chris Rodriguez's situation to questions on defense about the secondary, uh, who has stuck out so far, a couple of names in particular on offense and defense among those freshmen uh, that the coaches have just raved about. We talked about all of that leading up to the, uh, as we go into the final preparations leading up to next week when it'll be game week against Miami of Ohio. So with that, any further ado, let's get right to it with my conversation of John H- with John Hale of the Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is UK football beat writer John Hale. And first of all, John, uh, our people who listen to this podcast are already familiar with John Hale. He's been a guest on the podcast before, but f- at that time, he was working for the rival paper, the Courier Journal in Louisville. We are now thrilled to have him at the Herald Leader uh, in Lexington and at Kentucky.com. So, uh, John, welcome. Thanks for having me. Big, big transfer portal news this That's summer right. in the journalism world. That's right. And uh, thanks to NCAA rules, you don't have to sit out a year. So uh, that's good. That's good. Uh, we're less than two weeks away from the opener, uh, September 3rd against Miami of Ohio. Uh, we, we are recording this on Monday morning. Kentucky's had two scrimmages to this point. Uh, what's overall impressions so far? Anything you've been able to glean from uh, our talks with uh, Mark Stoops and players and coaches so far? Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard not to acknowledge that they just seem more confident. I mean, obviously that's expected some with the success they've had on the field coming off a 10-1 season, having Will Levis back, having a bunch of veterans on defense. You would hope that they're more confident, but, you know, even dating back to what last month when we were in Atlanta for SEC media days, it's you're so used to going to that event every year and basically having the storyline already written for you that, you know, Kentucky's not getting any respect and they're going to go out and play with a chip on their shoulder and prove everybody wrong. Well, it's just not the case this year. I mean, the media picked them second in the East. They're ranked in both of the major top 25 polls heading into the year. The expectations are high, and I think Mark Stoops and his public comments and players, too, they're not shying away from that. They're talking about raised expectations and wanting to get to Atlanta and you know, wanting to win the SEC. And We'll see if, if those things are realistic, but it's certainly not the same thing as even a couple of years ago when you were just talking about getting the bowl games. That They've moved past that, and it's pretty clear with, with how they're talking this preseason. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't think any doubt about that. Okay, so coming into camp from your perspective as somebody who's covered Kentucky football for quite a while, uh, what were were there anything, uh, any issues or items in particular that you wanted to pay close attention to when camp started? 
Well, I mean, obviously it starts with Chris Rodriguez and when or if he's going to play. We still don't have an answer on that. I mean, there was a report over the weekend. It might be three or four games, but Mark Stoops was not going to confirm that when we talked to him Saturday. He said he'd have an update closer to the start of the season. So I'm imagining a week from now when we go to his first Monday press conference of the season and get the first step chart. That's when we'll find out how long that Chris Rodriguez is out. Um, so beyond him, though, if, if you looked at the roster, I think that heading out spring practice, the two questions were offensive tackle and, and the defensive secondary, and, and what are they going to do there? Early in camp, it felt like they were pretty confident about both of those things. I think in the last week, especially Saturday, it, it feels like that confidence is carried over with the secondary. Mark Stoops obviously knows that position as well as anybody as a longtime defensive back coach, and he seems pretty pleased with the depth they've assembled there with the transfers they added. But the offensive tackle question, I think, is is becoming more and more of a concern. Um, Rich Gingarello told us last week that Jeremy Flax had basically locked down the right tackle job, but it, it doesn't feel like anybody has emerged at that left tackle spot. So DeAndre Buford was the guy coming into camp. Uh, I was told that David Wallaby actually was the first team left tackle on Saturday scrimmage. Keontae Goodwin's obviously got all the hype as a five-star signee as a freshman. Um, I think he's out right now, but you never know. Maybe that if a guy like Jagger Burton's playing really well at guard, they start him and move uh, Kenneth Horsey to tackle. We saw him play there some last year. So I think that position is really in flux and we, we know it's, it's really important protecting Will Levis's blind side because they certainly can't afford to lose Will Levis. So to me, that's, that's the biggest question kind of heading into the season. Yeah, I heard the same thing that Wallabaugh was first. In fact, I heard that Wallabaugh had been making kind of a move in camp that they had been happy with him. That's one of the reasons why he started with the first team. They've still got some injuries, from what I understand, yeah. on the offensive line and kind of moving guys around. Jagger Burton is a guy that I heard that they seem to have been happy with, and he would definitely be in the rotation. Uh, as for the secondary, yeah, didn't Mark make the comment Saturday that he feels better about the secondary this, at this point this year than he did at this point last year? So, uh, yeah, it, it sounds like what, from yeah, the depth they've added with the transfer portal guys uh, and they uh, has helped in, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, at least one of the players has talked about the Carrington Valentine is, is started a guy that they talked about last year, but I don't think quite played up to the way they hoped mm-hmm. he would play, but that he's He's looked good in camp so far, the cornerback. Yeah, he's a really interesting one for me to watch how he progresses this year. He reminds me a lot of that group of of defensive backs they had five or six years ago with Chris Westry and Derek Beatty and Mike Edwards. And all those guys played a little bit down the stretch of their freshman year and and impressed in in the action they got. We went to SEC Media Days that next summer, and Mark Stoops said he had some future superstars in the secondary. And so the hype just kind of went through the roof for those guys. And we thought, okay, they're going to be – we hit the ground running. They're going to be excellent uh, here moving forward. And they all struggled their sophomore year. They were just not nearly as good as as people expected them to be, and and some people wrote them off. But then they came back and and kind of reset expectations, did the work, and as juniors and seniors were really, really good players. I think Valentine's in a similar spot. He played some as a freshman two years ago, you know, enough to get people excited, especially I think in their bowl game. And then last year, got a little bit exposed. It's important. I think you remember, it's John Calabari says all the time, these guys are not on the same path. They're all in different you know, right. progressions, and, and it's not always linear in terms of how you get better from one point to the other. So I, I could see him having a similar kind of breakout year that those guys in that previous class did, where they weren't great as sophomores, but then came back as juniors and seniors and were really good players. 
Yeah, no, no, I agree. Uh, okay, back to C-Rod for Chris Rodriguez, obviously 1,300-yard rusher last year. It seems pretty uh, obvious that he's going to get some sort of suspension, whether it's the three to four games we heard about over the weekend or one or two games or whatever it will it might be for the DUI and whatever it is. There are some other issues with Chris and maybe some other player, a couple of other players as well, which we uh, has not been made public. Uh, okay, let's say – he can't go in those f- first few games. And obviously the Florida game, the second game down at Gainesville is a very important game on the schedule. Who in that, who in the backfield, uh, it seems like they feel like they have good backfield depth, but who's the guy you think they're going to look to, to take C-Rod's place if he, if he uh, does have to sit out those first few games? Yeah. I mean, everything we keep hearing both from Scangarello and Stoops is it's going to be by committee, which uh, you can take that positively or negatively in terms of maybe all those guys are, are useful or maybe no one player has emerged to kind of take over that feature role. For me going into camp, I thought the guy who was most likely to emerge as kind of an every down back, maybe Chris's replacement after the year was Lavelle Wright. Uh, I had heard that maybe he's a little banged up right now, so I'm, I'm not sure how much he played in that scrimmage on Saturday. That might have something to do with it. He was actually the one running back that Mark didn't mention after uh, Saturday's scrimmage. The guy who has gotten the most kind of talk is Ramon Jefferson, the transfer from Sam Houston State. And it's interesting because he has this physical running style. They keep comparing him to kind of a little bowling ball. He's very small, though. When <laughs> you look yeah. at him on, on the field in the one practice we saw, I have questions about how that holds up against um, SEC defenses. If if Chris is out for the first month of the season, I think on the on the balance, Ramon Jefferson will be fine there because they're going to play one FCS team, two group of five teams, and that's pretty similar to the competition we know he can succeed against. In terms of at Florida week two, though, that's that's a pretty pretty big ask, a pretty big jump in in um, in kind of defenses he's used to facing. So I, I think it is going to be by committee, just because they don't really have any other option. I mean, I think I could see. Jefferson and Wright both playing quite a bit. Uh, Jatan McLean's going to play a ton because they love his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield and they can split him out wide, move him in motion and do those those kind of things. It's been interesting to me that Cavassier Smoke has kind of returned to their comments in the last couple of weeks. Back in spring, we watched an open practice where he was like running 15. and I just assumed he was going to transfer after the semester. And when he didn't, that suggests that, you know, he had some reason to stick around and the coaches had at least told him that, you know, he was going to play if he, he did some. And he's, I think he's the fastest guy still. We've seen that home run kind of speed he has. It's crazy to think, you know, two years ago, we were, their fans were debating whether or not Chris Rodriguez should be starting over Cavassier Smoke. And now that seems like so long ago. He's a guy who could still help them some. But my gut is they start Jefferson at this point, do a little bit of rotation. And if one guy's playing well, they just let him run. Yeah. It's funny about Smoke, uh, you know, right there before right as practice was starting, I had a text from someone who's sort of connected to the uh, inside, and he said, there's going to be transfer news coming soon. And I thought, okay, it's Cavassier. It's Cavassier Smoke. <laughs> Turned yeah. out to be Bo Allen instead, uh, which leads me to my next question. What about uh, if Will Levis gets hurt with Bo Allen leaving? What, what does that number two quarterback job look like? Yeah, I think it's a it's a real problem. I mean, obviously, in terms of if you want to talk Kentucky as a SEC East contender or a New Year's Six bowl game contender, there's just no scenario where if Will Levis is hurt for an extended period of time that, that they still reach that goal. I mean, with Bo gone, I'm not sure Bo was necessarily 
confirmed to be the number two if he was definitely going to win that job because it seems like they have real questions about his arm strength and how that translates into this offense. I know that Liam Cohen had those questions a year ago. So maybe Deuce Hogan or Kaya Sharon, one of them would have won the backup job anyway, but now you only you have one one less option and um the last we heard on saturday was mark said you know each of those guys has their days and where they look better but neither of them has separated to where they're comfortable um comfortable saying for sure who the backup is i did think it was interesting that when we talked to will levis a little bit later there was this moment where somebody asked him about the backup quarterbacks and he said something like i'm not sure if it's official or not and then susan lax the sports information director over the side said no no it's not so i wonder if they do know behind behind the scenes who's taking the two reps right now but i think it's a situation where uh last we talked to rich scangarello about it I, i asked him if you had to have that decision made by the start of the season he said no some guy, one of them will know going into a game that you're the guy if if we need somebody to go in for a temporary period. But if Will were to get hurt and it would be you know, multiple weeks out, they would reopen the competition and, and kind of decide in practice going from there. So, I mean, Sharon's the more mobile guy. Hogan has the stronger arm. Uh, both of them are, are flawed, I think, in terms of being the total package. But, you know, if I had to guess... I think maybe Kaya Sharon at the moment. I don't, I don't think that – I know the, the previous staff, I don't necessarily think had huge expectations for Deuce Hogan when he came here, but he does have a really strong arm, uh, and that's something that's important in this this offense, so we'll see. Yeah. Now, if I had to guess, I would be I would guess Sharon too, but I, 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 I wouldn't make that guess with a whole lot of confidence <laughs> between the two. Uh, okay, we got more topics to discuss with John, and we're going to do that right after this break. Okay, back with John Hale, a UK football beat writer for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Uh, okay, we've talked about the quarterback, running back, offensive line. What about wide receiver on the offensive side? Uh, it seems like that they feel like they have a deeper and more talented group than they've had maybe since Mark has been here, since Mark Stoops has been here, but still a lot of inexperience in those guys. What have you been able to glean and from what uh, we've heard so far? Yeah, it's interesting that I mean, I think certainly it's the best combination they have of quarterback and receiver. I mean, some of those are when they had Garrett Johnson and Jeff Bidette and those guys, Dorian Baker. They had some some depth there at one point, but they just had anybody to get them the ball. And now it's a spot where I think they're really confident in Tavion Robinson, the Virginia Tech transfer, in terms of stepping in for Wandale at that same position. Obviously, he's not going to break the school record in catches and receiving yards. Yeah, I, I think it would be bad if he did because that would mean nobody else had emerged at this point. So you hope that by committee, you can kind of make up that production. Not only Wandale, but they lost Josh Ali and they lost Isaiah Epps. They lost their top three wide receivers. So between Robinson and Demarcus Harris, the guy who came on down the stretch last year, um, Chauncey Magwood maybe in terms of the returning group, uh, those guys are going to play, but all eyes are on the two freshmen, Dane Key and, and Barryon Brown. I mean, Dane Key had locked up a starting, a starting job before camp even started, and Barryon Brown, we've not heard anything to suggest that he's not going to play a ton of snaps so far. He's really fast, gives them that downfield threat. Um, I think Demarcus Harris probably holds on to that starting job to open the season just because he's such a steady veteran and you know he's a good blocker and that's important in this offense, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. If by October, Barry and Brown is, is starting and you've got two freshmen among your three starting receivers, that would that would not shock me at all. And, you know, We'll see how those guys play. It's, it's a tough ask going at Florida in week two, your second college game, but they've got talent. And when you don't have a bunch of old guys who have you know spots locked down for sure, you might as well throw the young guys out there and hope that they, they kind of learn through the fire. 
Yeah. yeah. The only way they're going to develop is if you put them out there and have them play. Uh, and then what about and tight ends? A lot of praise for the tight ends, especially from Rich Gangarello. He said on media day, there's like three or four guys in that room. He could say playing on Sundays in the NFL. You wrote about uh, Josh Caddis, the freshman. Uh, people should check out that story, who has obviously made an impression. And you keep hearing more and more about Dingle's name. I know he was one of the five guys you had in your uh, breakout series. People should check that out as well. Are you surprised at all at all the love the tight ends are getting? I mean, it's funny because let's let's face it, it's what basically been since Jacob Tammy left, maybe even longer than that, that Kentucky fans have said, throw it to the tight ends more, right. throw it to the tight ends more. And so every camper right about this is the year they're going to throw it to the tight ends more. And in fairness, they did throw it to the tight ends more last year because Isaiah Cummins was like their third leading receiver at, at some point or whatever. But um I I thought coming out of spring, I just assumed that Keaton Upshaw would come back, and if he was healthy, he would take over that job. Because two years ago, there was so much excitement about him um, in an offense where they didn't throw the ball very much. And you thought, well, now they have a real quarterback who can get him the ball. He would do it. But he seems to be the guy among the five who has maybe slipped the most. And I think he, he missed some time in camp with a hamstring issue coming back from obviously missing all of last season. So the depth appears to be in a spot where you just can't afford to miss many days. If you want to be in the rotation, I'm still skeptical that they can get five tight ends involved in the passing game, you know, consistently, but uh, it seems like they have options. I actually just finished our, you know, the, the season preview story that'll go in our special section or our, um, our a one section or whatever this, this Sunday. And in the section, it's most important position. I put tight end because with those young guys at wide receiver, and we don't know exactly how quickly they'll be able to make an impact. Having a bunch of tight ends is a really nice kind of security blanket for Will Levis out there. And they've got guys who can do different things. I think Brendan Bates is, you know, your traditional uh, kind of inline blocker who they'll have in there in a bunch of short yardage situations and, and, and whatnot. And then Isaiah Cummings is obviously was a wide receiver originally. And so he plays, you know, kind of in that slot position when they move him out there. And, and he proved last year he's an impact pass catcher. And Jordan Dingle's the guy Vince Merrill calls his Swiss Army knife that he does a little bit of everything. And then Caddis, as a freshman, I, you know, for a week they were talking about him. And I thought, okay, this is just an early camp thing. And he'll play his four games in red shirt just because there's so many guys in front of them. But at this point, I just don't see how there's any way that he's not playing a lot based on how they continue to keep raving about him. Um, it'll be interesting to see how many they can get on the field at one time. But the, the good part is in, in Rich's offense, he likes having those hybrid players. He called them chess pieces at one point in camp where you can move them around to different positions and you can change your formations without going to the sideline. And that's going to give defenses fits. And it appears at that position, they have multiple guys who can do that. Right. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, let's switch over to the defense. And the guy we've heard the most praise about, young guy, is obviously Deion Walker, defensive lineman, uh, who they have talked about since the beginning of camp. Was he considered to be – I mean, was he a guy that when he came in, people said, okay, here's a guy who's going to play right away, he's going to make an impact right away? I, I never thought – I mean, I'm always pretty skeptical in general that linemen on either side of the ball are going to play. Especially the freshman SEC. Play a ton <laughs> in the SEC. But you knew he was huge. I mean, there was that picture from – I think he and Keontae Goodwin actually took their official visit the same weekend last year, last fall, and they were standing next to each other at the hotel, and they're both like six seven, you know, 320 pounds or whatever. So they're just huge guys. And so you knew that part of it was there for him. 
But they had, I mean, you wrote about it on Media Day, that junior group of, of defensive linemen who were so hyped as recruits two years ago. I think it was the class of 2020 with Justin Rogers and Josiah Hayes and Octavius Oxendine and Trevon Ripka. It's kind of their moment to step in. They've played a lot as backups the last two years, but now they're the guys with Josh Pasquale and Marquand McCall gone and Boulay, Body Fitzgerald. All those guys are gone now, so they need to step in. And I just assumed that would be the group. And uh, with some other younger guys, Jamarius Dinkins, Khalil Saunders, Sam Manali, who we've heard have come along over the last years and, and without seeing them play very much. I thought the rotation was deep enough that it'd be hard for a freshman to break through, but I think not only is he going to play, he might start. I mean, he was getting uh, one reps on Saturday in the scrimmage. As, as I've heard, he was doing that in the fan day practice that we saw the you know three days into camp or whatever. I think he just has the physical tools that you can't keep off the field, especially as they're looking to improve their pass rush. And he's a guy that's going to give defenses or offensive lines a, a lot of trouble. So um, at this point, I think you might as well just expect him to, if not be a starter, be playing starter level snaps because they'll rotate so much on that in that group in general. Okay, and what what about the what about the linebacking group? Both the outside backers, your uh, edge rusher types, and then the inside backers. Anything you've heard so far that surprised you or sticks out to you about that group? I mean, we knew when um, when DeAndre Square and Jacquez Jones and Jordan Wright all elected to come back for that extra year of eligibility, that depth was going to be a real strength at that second level of the defense. And I think that's held up through camp. Um, they're still really high on those young inside linebackers in particular with uh, Trevin Wallace and Martez Thrower and Derek Jackson, those guys. So I think they'll it'll be a strength that they'll be able to rotate and maybe they'll stay a little healthier there than they did last year when injuries were such a problem. So that that's, I think, no surprise. But the one guy in that group who I think has legitimate – you know, all SEC kind of star power is is JJ Weaver, and and they've raved since camp opens, basically since the spring, about how different he looks now, a year plus removed from the ACL injury. He played last year; he was productive, but basically everybody agrees he wasn't a hundred percent. So now he is; he's not playing with the knee brace anymore. It feels like every time Brad White talks about him, he stops just short of making that Josh Allen comparison. Uh, but I think they act, they legitimately think he has that kind of talent. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he can be one of the best pass rushers in the league this year. Okay, uh, let's finish it out by circling all the way back around to the face of the franchise. The guy who's gotten, obviously, the most publicity over the summer and then coming in is obviously Will Levis. We talked to Will on Saturday after the scrimmage. From what I understand, the first scrimmage, he didn't do a whole lot. He wasn't even really in pads. A lot of hype with Will, obviously, uh, coming into this year, both as an NFL draft prospect and what he can do in college this year. How do you you think he's handled it? And will that have any effect, you think, on him going into the season? I think it would be hard not to have an effect. I mean, he's human, so he's he, right. he's admitted to us. He hears it. You know, he doesn't want to all the times, but he said even he has family and friends who send him all these. You know, you're uh, you're the number one pick in the draft in this mock draft or whatever. And so it's hard not to hear that stuff. He obviously has a huge amount of NIL responsibilities too. That's a that's something that even a guy like Tim Couch, who was probably the last Kentucky quarterback who had this kind of hype, didn't have to deal with when he was in college. So those are all new things that he's going to have to balance. But I think from all indications, he's doing as good a job as you could reasonably expect from any player to do that. I mean, Rich Gangarello, Mark Stoops, all his teammates all kind of rave about how he keeps putting the team first and focusing on football all summer, even with all this other stuff going on around. He's like at the Masters and traveling around to various events. 
Uh, I'm interested to see if, if the hype lives up. I mean, what happens if, let's say, he goes to Florida week two and, and he has an okay game, but he's not great by any means. You know, he's going to get that backlash then right. from people who are saying, oh, you're not as good as, as they said, and you're overrated, and blah, blah, blah. And that, that'll be a challenge in of itself. The camp part of this has been interesting just because, you know, he's got so many new receivers that he has to learn. It feels like for those first two weeks, they were throwing a lot at the wall and maybe the offense was struggling at times just because they were trying to see what guys could do. I thought it was really interesting last Tuesday that Rich Scangarello said what he really wanted to see out of the second scrimmage was the guys who were going to play right. out there around Will because that, that was obviously an issue in the first scrimmage. Will didn't play. A bunch of offensive linemen were out. They've got to narrow in on what they do good now and what they do well and, and what got, what receivers, what tight ends, what offensive linemen can do it and just kind of circle the wagons. I think this next two weeks before the opener and figure that out. And if they do, I think Will's obviously going to be really, really good. He's not going to be first team all see because Bryce Young's right. <laughs> still here in, in the league. But um, that race for the number two quarterback in the league should be really interesting all year. Yeah, uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, well, it's going to be very interesting from here and to up until September third. And obviously, it gets a lot more interesting on September third when we actually see him play when they against Miami of Ohio. Uh, John, you mentioned you working on the kind of the preview story that will go uh, in the A section uh, next week. Anything in particular you want to plug or tell the listeners to look uh, be on the lookout for coming up? Yeah, this week, um, probably the next couple of days, I was out Friday at the uh, LCA Madison Central game watching Cutter Bowley, the uh, junior quarterback for LCA. He's got an Alabama offer, all that stuff. With Bo Allen transferring, high school quarterback recruiting has become kind of another spotlight issue for the program. But is it important anymore? Can they just go out and get another Will Levis in the transfer portal after Will leaves this year? That's going to be huge for the future. And so talking to him was really interesting. But, you know, just kind of a bigger story about where their quarterback recruiting strategy stands right now. That should be out in the next few days. Yeah, well, everybody be sure and look for that. And, John, how can they follow you on Twitter? It's now John Hale, J-O-N-H-A-L-E underscore H-L on Twitter. <laughs> and we are very happy that it is that. <laughs> like I said, we're <laughs> thrilled to have John. Uh, I've known John for a long time. And he's de- he did a great job at the Courier. I know he's already doing a great job for us. Uh, I couldn't be happier to have him on board and working uh, alongside him. And so be sure and check him out on Twitter and in the uh, pages of the uh, print edition of the Arrow Leader and online at Kentucky.com. And John will be filling that spot during the year on the podcast where we do the previews going into the game where he talks about uh, UK and we look forward to that as well thanks John for being on the podcast thanks for having me Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks to John Hale. Be sure and follow John on Twitter, John at John, J-O-N-H-A-L-E underscore H-L. Be sure and check out all this coverage during the football season on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Lexington Herald Leader. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Send me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. You can follow, you can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Uh, we appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast. Uh, like I said, we'll have plenty of coverage leading up to the uh, opener on September 3rd against Miami of Ohio. We'll have a preview podcast next week. 
week. Uh, we, we will have scouting reports on UK from John and a scouting report on Miami of Ohio, a team that is picked to do really well this season in the MAC. So it'll be an interesting opener for Mark Stoops' team on September 3rd. Thanks again to John Hale. Thanks again to everybody for listening. And we'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.